Hey, welcome to Uncommon Core, where we explore the big ideas in crypto from first principles. This week, my regular co-host Suzu is taking a break, and I'm instead joined by Tarun Chitra of Gauntlet. Tarun, welcome to the show. Can you introduce yourself to our audience? Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Tarun Chitra. I'm the CEO and founder of Gauntlet, uh, a, a company that helps stress test the incentive structures and economics of uh, cryptocurrency protocols, especially um, DeFi protocols. Um, but my background is in uh, both high frequency trading and um, sort of low level hardware design. And so I've kind of spread myself across a bunch of different fields. And there's nothing quite like the current state of DeFi and, and crypto to, to make people have to use brain cells that they didn't have to use before. So I'm really excited to be in this world. Together, we are excited to talk to Andre Cronje, a longtime DeFi developer and creator of Yearn Finance, which you can think of as a smart bank account that automatically allocates your assets to different low risk investment strategies that execute on the Ethereum blockchain. Thanks for joining us, Andre. To start, can you tell us a bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Um, definitely, definitely much less of a pedigree, really just a dev. Um, I don't even consider myself a particularly good one. I'm a, I'm a integrator. I like um, putting pieces together and then seeing what comes out. So it's, it's a very exciting space for me right now to be playing in DeFi. Money Legos is one of the coolest toys that has come out in a very long time. Um, so yeah, I've just been focusing on this the last few years. It's been a nice natural evolution from my previous fintech background. Um, so it's, um, I, I echo Tarun's statements. It's a, it's a very exciting and challenging space to be in right now. And I, I think it's also very exploratory, um, which I think is going to lead to a lot more new and exciting things as well. Yeah, thank you. I think we can also be happy to have you in this space. I think that Jorn is one of the most interesting projects right now, which is also how we met right? when I wrote an article or was researching for an article on the governance in, in Yon Finance uh, last week. So can you describe in your own words what Yearn is? Um, well, okay. So so I guess Yearn as sort of an, an umbrella statement is, is anything I build. Whatever I build, I throw under Yearn. Um, mm -hmm. The original V1 Yearn specifically um, was a, a lending pool optimizer, I guess, aggregator. I don't know what you want to call it. So, so very, very simplistically, there were a lot of vendors out there. Um, we had Aave, we had DYDX, we had, um, uh, we had Compound, uh, we had Nuo, Fulcrum, there was a lot. Uh, and I spent a lot of time uh, normalizing each one's um, interest rates, how they are reporting it on chain and, and, and um, what the, the net result of their number is because each one has a little, little different nuance in how they do it. And the reason I did that was so that I could figure out where's the best place to park my money at any given point in time for the highest aggregate interest rate. And I realized that these rates fluctuate so much between all of these different pools because there's, there's still a lot of capital inefficiencies in our markets. So I spent a lot of time moving these funds around and I started looking at a, a automated way to do that. 
Um, and then I came up with the original yearn, which very simplistically, you throw your funds in it. As soon as you interact with the contract, it looks at the different APR rates between the different um, lenders, and then it simply moves the funds there. So it ended up in aggregate getting better yield than any one lender. Um, and because it's now a pooled solution, it meant that there was a lot more interaction with the contract, which also increased the granularity of when it switches for different interest rates. Um, mm -hmm. And it also sort of subsidized gas because, you know, now it's not 20 people each paying gas to change. It's it's one interaction that moves it. And if the next one comes in and the APR is still the highest at where it is, then it just stays there. Um, I'd say that was the very, very first iteration. Um, and that later on became the premise for what I then called the V2. My versioning sucks, so I, I, I need to change naming standards. But the V2, which became the baseline for the Y pool, um, which is the curve Y pool, uh, which we ended mm -hmm. up building on top of that because the concept was why not have profit switching and trading fees? So that was just a nice way to get a little bit higher APR. Um, and at that time, that was pretty much the 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 best rates you could get because you had the optimized lending and now you had the trading fees on top. We had to make some sacrifices for the V2 pool because the problem is for for the trades to be efficient, um, you couldn't rebalance the underlying assets the whole time because it would make gas too expensive. So the 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 V2 yearn version has a has a no rebalance withdraw deposit, which just makes your swaps much cheaper. And then it has a full um, rebalance, which is when you directly interact. So so there was some trade-offs there. Uh, after that one was the SUSD pool, which was awesome because um, synthetics were kind enough to add liquidity incentives on top. And they allowed you to, to stake the LP token you got out of the SUSD, Y pool, meta pool into um, their, their mentor, their reward system. And, and that's when I started playing with their rewards contracts, um, which which now you know is the basis of Wi-Fi, YFII, YFFI, YAM. I mean, add in to the list. Um, so amazing respect there for for Anton from One Inch and um, Kane Synthetics, the work they did there. Um, and and then the market was kind of quiet for a long time. So I started playing with a bunch of other tools I was interested in. Um, I started looking into into synthetic assets. I started looking into some stablecoin stuff. Uh, started doing the Y swap stuff. But but the main area I was focusing on was was Y leverage and Y trade, which was all about um, leveraged stablecoin positions because I wanted to I wanted to promote trading on the the Y pool for Curve because the more trading on that pool the higher the fees the better the incentives for the LPs and the higher the overall APR so I started building things like um, Y leverage which is um, flash loan from DYDX into Maker um, USDC mints die sells the die to USDC repays the debt on that side gives you the profit and you decide when you want to close your vault it hands over the vault back to you so so it's up to the user and white trade was a little bit more of an lp system so you you provide your curve lp tokens which gives you access to the underlying die usdc usdt or tusd and then that allows you to open a trader position and trade on top of that um, and then comp came along and and that changed quite a lot because now all of a sudden i it, it wasn't as simple as aggregating on-chain information and knowing where the best APR is. And, 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 and that's, that's still the purpose of the Yearn system overall, is to maximize APR for its LPs. Um, and now you had the situation where, where 
being a, a lending provider in Compound was the better result because of the added APR on top of the Compound token. But mm-hmm. you don't exactly have a lot of on-chain um, oracles and the ones that are, you know, are, are, were fairly easily abusable still at that time. So I started looking at a, a, a more a more like almost token sets, you know, social trading idea behind yield farming, social yield farming, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And I started playing with the concept of creating a, a sort of collective and how that works of, of yield farmers that are also interested in this stuff. So, you know, as a collective, they're a lot faster at identifying strategies. They're a lot faster at, at ranking strategies in terms of their performance. Um, and it's a lot faster to, to be able to allocate the pooled resources. Um, so, so that's sort of where the, the idea of the, the Wi-Fi token, the Wi-Fi token first came out because it was just for people that are in these things I built, a, which I assume are yield farmers themselves, um, which, you know, back then that wasn't the terminology. It was just an LP, but anyway. Um, yeah. So it makes sense that they are yield farmers as well. So these are the people I want to have tokens because these are the people that collectively can make these decisions and keep hunting these opportunities. Because um, the other thing that was important to me is that that if a new strategy came along, it could be added in a short enough time span um, that it could be maximized, but not so fast as to be able to create a, a, a risk area there. And, and I think that's that's something that um, uh, Sue has mentioned in his articles as well, which I think is very important for people to know because you know there's, there's a trade-off between how quickly you move and how securely you move. Um, but but we can unpack that a little bit later. So mm-hmm. so token came about. That's why I said it's not going to be a sale. You know, there's there's no financial value to it. It's purely as a collective decision-making tool for the, the system. Um, at that time, I started looking at the, the comp governance solution, which, which I, I do think is fantastic, but I do find it a little bit rigid. And I didn't at that time yet know what the solution was going to look like. So... I, 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 I know where my, my skills and abilities fall short. Um, one thing is definitely in terms of, um, you know, proper, proper governance control mechanisms and tokenomics and any of that stuff. So I decided, you know, let's leave this to the people that are going to have the token in their hands. Um, their collective intelligence is better than mine in this area. So I had opted for let, let the best minds in this industry have a, a interest in it and then give their opinion on it while I stick yeah. to, you know, building out the coding and sticking to those things. And, and I think that part has been, has been fairly successful because we definitely have some phenomenal minds currently working on some of these solutions, which they're coming up with stuff I definitely wouldn't have dreamed of while, while I, you know, can just stick on sort of the, the strategy side, building out the other things. Um, and then eventually I ended up with the, with the now V2 Y volts, um, and their idea is to be a, a yield farming tool. So, so unlike, unlike the, the, the V1 year and Y pools, which, which are, are static and immutable and you, you can't mess with them and I love them. Um, I needed a new solution that can, that can upgrade and that can pivot within, within certain rules and restrictions. So, so that's why I came up with, you know, let, let, let governance vote in strategies. And then you have strategists that are capable of switching between different strategies and things like that. So, so there's a whole role ecosystem that, that I still need to unpack um, and share that whole design philosophy. But, but that's really how we got to here. Um, 
so it's it's been a lot of mutating because of how the industry itself has been changing and just trying to remain adaptable to that because mm-hmm. because what what we have now in terms of of lp profit um, is very different than what we had you know um december jan um beginning of this year so so the landscape has changed so much that that the solutions have needed to to change um and and that's pretty much where we're currently at yeah thanks for this uh very comprehensive overview so as i see it there are now three yield farming primitives in in urine which is the first one is the y tokens the first iteration And then you have vaults that are paired with strategies, and then you have delegated vaults. So could you please describe or like summarize very briefly again the difference between them and why should I use which iteration? So so the the Y tokens themselves, um they're there to keep things simple. You know, that's that's you you don't want you don't want exposure to to yield farming or any of those strategies. You don't want someone that's going to be moving your money around without you knowing. You want something that's static and plain. Um, they are they are only measured in their assets. So DAI has YDAI, USDT has YUSDT, all the way through to SUSD. Um, simplistically, you put in the asset, it gets automated, lent out to different lenders. Um, you get interest rates from there, and and the end. So so it's a very it's a very clean closed loop solution um, of the lot. It has, uh, other than, of course, the, the standard composability risk and the underlying system risks, which are still high risks, um, it's, it's the safest of the lot. But using it, you're going to be looking at, at you know, a, a band of about between 5 to 15% APR, which, which I still think on a stable coin is phenomenal because you're not going to get those rates um, at your bank in any case. Um, on top of that, if you want a little bit more exposure, but then you, you do take away... The, the native underlying asset. You can also deposit your outputs there into the Curve Y pool or the BUSD pool or the SUSD pool. Um, and then you get the trading fees as well. But for example, the, the, the pool balances underneath can shift. So if you put in, let's say, 10 million DAI um, three months ago in, in Curve, and you, you can't withdraw 10 million DAI now because there's only 6 million DAI in there. But you can still have, you know, the... 3 million die and then 7 million USDT. So so you do lose the strict association of the underlying asset, but you do get those trading fees on top, which is still good. And you know, that's that's yielding you upwards of 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 10 to 20% uh, depending on the time span you're looking at in aggregate since since inception about 11%. Um, and now I'm not talking about additional incentives, you know, like like the curve you can get from from being an LP or SNX you can get from um, staking the SUSD LP output token or or those kinds of things. Or um, those are additional benefits over and above. And then the the vaults are definitely the the higher risk ones because the money moves, and mm-hmm. and even though even though you might be comfortable with the strategies it currently has, you might not be comfortable with a strategy it has in two weeks from now. So, so, so there's a little bit more involvement, um, and definitely more risk because the 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 Wi-Fi community as a whole um, gets to the point where where they control what the strategies are and they control when it moves. Um, but it automates these processes for you. So, so its job is 
if the current best farm is farming die leveraged into comp, then that's going to be the strategy for die, and you provide your die, and it's going to do that strategy. But should that change to now die into Y pool for curve tokens, then a new strategy is deployed, voted in, and then switched to that one. So, so, so because it's because it's let's call it upgradable, um, you know, even mm-hmm. though by 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 contract definition, it's not upgradable proxies, but but you know I can we can add a new strategy and then switch to that strategy. So so let's consider that an upgrade, even though the vaults are not the the vaults are static themselves. Um, that definitely adds an additional layer of risk, and that is the the risk reward adjustment that you see. I mean the vaults are performing a lot higher, but it definitely comes with more risk than the original V ones, and then things like. Um, why trade and why swap? Um, they're they're still in my R and D finalization phase, so so I'm not really trying to promote them yet, except for people that want to experiment a little bit. Um, but I still have a lot more iterations to do on those before before I'm happy with with doing proper public releases on them. Um, so yeah, it's 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 really based on your risk appetite. I mean, at at the at the at the one far end of the spectrum. You you have the guys sitting on a lot of you know USDT USDC whatever capital um, and it's currently sitting idle and they don't want to they don't want to expose it to risk but but they also don't just want to have it sitting idle so for them the original Y pools into Curve great choice um, nice and stable um, it's performed well in the past um, that's that's where I would park it for for the people that know about yield farming and you know know what's going on, um, a good place to go is the vaults. So I, I do recommend having having a little bit of awareness. Um, but another reason why you'll want to go to the vaults is because it it in quotes subsidizes gas. Um, so it's because again it's this pooled solution. So it's not it's not everyone paying for gas the whole time, but a, a, a single interaction that triggers the chain that then pays for the gas. A, a unlucky gas lottery, I guess, um, is another good reason to sit in there. And then, but I mean, at, at the far end of the spectrum, you've got the, you've got the, you've got the DeFi guy that he's on CT, on crypto Twitter. He knows what's going on there. He's in Telegram, he's in Discord. He, he knows what the strategies are and he probably manages it himself for the most part. Um, but maybe he just wants to save on gas as well. So then a good reason to go into the vault strategy. Um, I've, I've had a few people that I've spoken to that, that just want to take the weekend off and then, you know, they, they don't want to be jacked in the whole time. So when they want to take the weekend off, they park the funds in there so they don't have to worry about it. Um, but if you're, if you're that, that complete end of the spectrum person that knows what's going on is updated, then I still recommend you manage your money yourself. Um, that's, that's still the, the the my money my responsibility peak area but mm-hmm. you know everyone can't have all of the information all the time especially not with how quickly things are currently changing uh, i i do think it'll it'll subside and we'll go back to to something a little bit more normalized where you know it doesn't change every eight hours but instead changes you know once a month um, and, and 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 that's where i'd like to see it as well because i'm 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 a i'm a big I'm a big advocate for sustainable yields, um, and right now we're in a very unsustainable space, which which causes me a little bit of concern, um, a lot of concern. But but you know that's 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 part of the cycle we're going through. So 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 that's fine. So so I guess I'd say those are sort of your different your different benefits and the risk that comes with it. Um, 
uh, I mean, personally, I still sit more on the on the Yearn V1 side. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not as volatile, or I I, I just want to outperform what I can do in my in my local currency savings account, and I'm happy. It doesn't have to. And be when you say when you say you sit more on the V1 side, you mean with your own money. Because yeah. you also use Yearn to invest your own money, correct? Yeah. So, so, so the majority is sitting in there, which I consider to be the safest area. And then, what I'm willing to risk, I play in the vaults, um, or I play as an LP, um, because there, there, I know there's more risks. Um, it's, it's, it's fun playing there, but, but I still prefer sustainability. Um, sustainable yeah. uh, APR is a, is a very important thing that that we're we're currently losing sight of a little bit but but hopefully we'll get back there and and obviously as as market and capital inefficiencies improve as well we'll we'll also see that line flatten out um, to to where it's it's technically supposed to be comparative to to the rest of the world's interest rate minus fees from banking etc so what mm-hmm. one, one natural kind of next question related to this is you know how how complex do you think these strategies are going to get, in, especially in terms of, you know, reallocation to to different yield farming, uh, related venues. I you know I think maybe when Yearn V one came out, it was much more clear that sort of the Yearn or, or Instadap type of strategy of or the what you know Y token one strategy of optimizing dollar denominated. Stablecoin dollar denominated APR is is kind of like a good uh, user experience, um, but now that you have the whole system for for really starting to to explore a bigger strategy space, you know how complex do you think things will get? You know, I think you know we know that there's this economy of scale uh, to having gas costs shared across the pool, so that means you have more gas in implicitly to spend on strategies and then so maybe walk us through your thought process of that what you've kind of seen in the community do you think complexity will will dominate or do you think people will stick with simple strategies will they be sort of directional strategies trying to chase momentum or will they be trying to be more like market neutral so so from from my perspective, um, the things I write, I, I like to keep very simple strategies. You know, do do one small thing and don't do too much. Um, but but that's just because that suits my specific development style. Um, the more complex, the more risk. Um, so so from 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 the the what strategies will I keep writing? Uh, fairly basic. I don't like I don't like too many protocols working together at the same time, um, as that increases your amount of failures. From the strategies I've been discussing with people that that I think are phenomenal, they they get super complex. So so what I mean by that is is as we're seeing more of you know a, a options market developing and a perpetual market and a leverage market and and you 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 can start adding in these different hedging strategies and and you can you can go to SN, um, synthetics and you can you can mint and then take that into a pool and then hedge that against you know something that maybe you take out on UMA so so I think it's it's becoming increasingly possible to do increasingly complex um I, I i think the more complex the strategy the 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 different vetting pro- process it would need to go through but 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 definitely from from what i've from what i've spoken to a lot of and and i mean I, I i think it has a lot to do with 
with with who's building the strategy as well because like the 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 when when i speak to guys like um the framework guys you know they're they're very much into into these these hedged yielding strategies will where they might fund a a a a perp and then hedge that on the other side and like it's 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 very good yield but but i'm not from that world so it's very difficult for me to to quantify um because one of my one of my code rules is still i just i just codify what i do as a human so you know if i if i as a human can go deposit and then see the apr and withdraw and then maybe get an output token and sell that for the underlying asset then then that's something i can codify and i'm happy with that strategy um but yeah i mean at at the at the baseline you know a, a strategy is as simplistic as as put die into compound and and you get interest and that's a good strategy but at a layer on top of that now you have add die into compound and farm comp um, and now you have add die into farm comp sell comp to die and now you can take it a step further and you can go die folded leverage whatever you want to call it you know four times and then farm and sell comp so so again risk reward versus complexity slash apr i i i don't i i don't as i currently um discuss this know what that mix is going to be but but if it goes the way i'd like it to go then then i think it's going to become increasingly complex to to maximize those market inefficiencies and capital inefficiencies until it gets un, until until these strategies themselves flatten out you know that that line to to the point where it's it's aggregate in the market and and to do that you do need to multi, you you do need to leverage across multiple points and that will increase your complexity um so yeah i'm i'm, yeah. I'm really excited to to see what people are building yeah for sure i mean i think one of the reasons uh for instance gnosis's on-chain uh exchange is so much you know sorry martin is so much just is never going to be used as much as uniswap is because it relies on this off-chain oracle to actually tell it uh, sort of give it a solution of how to clear the auction because they went with an overly complex um, kind of design. And in some sense, the overly complex off-chain design is the, is the not, you know, theoretically correct design. It, it solves the problem in some optimal sense. But given the computational constraint of the traders and the, the trading itself, you kind of have to adapt your strategies to the fact that you're in this low compute environment, Ethereum's expensive, very variable costs. So do you ever see a world where um, strategies are not strictly uh, emulated on chain in the sense that, you know, a lot of the, the types of, you know, uh, strategies that people would use in, in centralized crypto trading or real, real finance, normal finance is, you know, probably a few orders of magnitude more complicated and you don't really want running on chain? Or do you see actually this kind of new nouveau thing for, for DeFi as being simple on-chain strategies will dominate and have like the highest amount of capital inflow? So maybe to put another way, do you see the majority of, of capital that is going into these strategies really focusing on the simple but scalable strategies or these kind of complex but optimized strategies? And if, if it's the latter, 
do you see a world in which this has to be done off chain or on a different chain? And maybe maybe to build on your question, Tarun, um, like the, the most extreme version of that that I can see is that some venture fund or hedge fund starts raising money on Yearn, right, by creating a vault and then just saying the strategy is that you trust us to invest this money and we are going to return it in one year. <laughs> um, I mean, look, those, those, all of those possibilities exist. Um, I, I think that's why, that's why the, the collective governance is important again to, to drive where that goes. Uh, if, if it's down to my personal opinion, I don't like things that happen off chain. It's the same reason why why I spent most of my time originally um, normalizing all of the different APR from all of the different lenders because I didn't want to make off-chain decisions. Um, even even with these new farming strategies, they 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 annoy me a little bit because you're you're making in quotes off-chain decisions on you know is is comp currently more valuable or is curve more valuable or I don't know yam more valuable for argument. Um, I, I think I think the more you do off chain, the more risk you add. Um, versus if it's if it's on chain, it's verifiable. Everyone can see it. Everyone can do it. Uh, that's that's where I personally would like to see it, and that's where I personally would like it to stay. Um, to me, to me, if it's not happening in Ethereum, it's not happening. Now, now that does not preclude where we might be. In a in a few months and or years from now, when when we have you know a, a few more layer two solutions and and we have more currently layer one chains that end up becoming you know sort of roll up side chains and 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 then that might be a different story because you you can still verify it at the base ETH layer, um, but I'm very hesitant. Now again, this is my personal opinion. I mean, it's up to it's up to um, wifey holders to decide. But but in my personal opinion, I I don't think any strategies should be used that can't 100% be verified on chain. Right. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I, the only reason I ask this is there's also this kind of adverse selection uh, aspect to, to having everything on chain of, you know, everyone kind of knows what, let's just say we're in a world where, where, where urine is controlling, like urine vaults control 40% of capital. And so every reallocation transaction that's sent um, sort of has yearn as, you know, the whale. When they actually, when the contract makes a trade, a lot of other people follow or a lot of other people front run um, the vault sort of behavior. Uh, do you do you see that that competition sort of being stable in the long run where, you know, you, you have many vaults and they're competing and sort of they compete towards a, towards single equilibrium or do you see it as a strictly capital aggregation game of whoever is the biggest uh in terms of vault creation whether it's yam whether it's urine whether it's whoever else uh, shows up ends up kind of dominating and the reason i ask this is if you stay fully on chain you actually do expose these strategies to to a ton of adverse selection because the the code is open source and you can look hmm. at the historical transactions and you know exactly the logic um, so yeah, maybe. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, look, I mean, it's it's your your you're opening your competitive advantage and you're opening your playbook. There's there's no doubts about that. And and I I currently see it with the vaults. 
um, like when I when I deploy a new strategy for for example the the, the latest one with the the link delegated vault was to to borrow TUSD and then put that into mstable um, and put that into the savings because that was doing you know upwards of fifty percent um, APR and and that's a much higher offset than the 0.1 percent you're borrowing. Um, and that net benefit is is your net result um, by pressure as well. But but after deploying that, um, just when I deployed it, there was there was no TUSD in in um, in mstable, and and now it's capped at at max cap fifty five percent weight. So so and and I mean the, the the same with the Y curve and the same with the USDC pools. So so it's already people. People that know how to do these things, they'll 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 come to the Discord um, and they'll ask people, "Hey, what's the current strategy?" And the reason they're asking that is not because their money is in the vault; it's because they want to go do it themselves. Because it's yeah. that's that's the easier way to find out what I'm supposed to do. Um, and and I mean, in a in a in a traditional capitalist sense, I'd say that's bad, you know, because obviously you want to protect your IP, your solution, and and you want that money in there because that's that's the the fee structure. Um, but, but I think in, in open society, that's fine because, because you're still going to have, you're still going to have the, the lazy farmers, you know, the, the guys that don't want to do that all the time. I mean, just, just me trying to review the different forks code gave me so much fatigue from, um, fork fatigue that, that I was at a point where when a new one launched, I was just like, you know what, whatever, I'll just do whatever you guys want. I'm not even going to look at this anymore. And, and I think. I think a lot of people sort of get to that space as well. And I mean, especially with gas fees, what they are now, you know, at a certain point, your, your, your size of investment, it also just makes sense to leave in a vault because you don't have to worry about those exorbitant gas fees. Um, cause, cause there's a lot of solutions that currently don't make sense, um, because of that. Now, now again, these inefficiencies will disappear as we move to, to a Eve two or we move to roll up solution or layer two solutions. Um, and those things will happen over time. And and maybe the market changes to the point where you know something like urine doesn't need to exist in a year from now anymore. Um, it just needs to exist for the problems that are presented now. So mm-hmm. so I I'd say a little bit fifty fifty. Um, I mean, it's it's good so that people can just copy the urine vaults, and and I do actually highly recommend it. Um, because create a competitive, you know, fee structure there, get it to the point where it's a zero sum game and people are just, you know, having zero, um, zero fee solutions. Cause, cause I think that again, fixes, uh, capital inefficiencies. Um, and, and that does obviously subtract value from, from my yearn solution. But, but I mean, I, I, I don't see why that's bad. Um, mm-hmm. if, if, if there's more access and, and we're 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 getting this incredible current you know huge APR line down to a more reasonable place. That's that's fine. Um, I mean the 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 same argument. Although I guess ETH is a little bit different. I, I wanted to say the the same argument can be made for for banks. You know because we're seeing a lot more digital banks and and the barriers for banking is also merging. But but banks will always have sort of a, a regional connectivity. Um, there was a discussion of that on the forum once about, you know, creating different yearns for different regional and or demographic segments, which I also think is good because like one, one of the reasons why I supported the, why I support the, the YFII fork is, is because, you know, their, their, 
um, as they themselves say, a, 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 a Chinese, you know, demographic um, that's that's China focused defined. And that, for example, is a demographic that that me as Yearn would not have gotten into because, you know, my my sites don't have translations. Um, my my Twitter and stuff doesn't talk to that crowd. I'm not on WeChat um, actively. So 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 that to me is good, um, even though it's a competitor. Because that's that's a market segment I would have in any case not touched. So having having people have access to it is a positive to me. Um, and and I guess that's that's probably where where my my perspective will differ from, for example, a a, a wifey token holder because to them they want to lock in as much as possible into into yearn because that's the highest you know ROI for them on 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 their governance participation. Um, but but to me, the more of these solutions we have and the more inefficiencies we exploit to give more people access, I, I see that as a positive and always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so zooming zooming out a little bit. Um, so I, I originally thought about Yearn as a sort of hedge fund or like a robo-advisor. And I know in a different podcast, you, you called it a... a a smart savings account, even though you weren't quite happy with the name. I, I think it's very fitting. <laughs> But um, I think the more we talk about it, the more I, I see it as a actually a two-sided marketplace for investing, where on the one side you have the LPs who provide capital, and on the other side you have strategy providers who provide the actual investment strategies. So do you agree with this framing? 100%. So, so, so the way I've been... I've been mentioning that in some of my different talks is, you know, there's, there's, there's the LP who, who I just want to provide die and get my base die returns. I don't really care what you do with that. And then on the other hand, you, you have the, the, the strategist, which, which is technically, you know, is, is, it's a, um, it's, it's, it's a capital deployer. It's a fund. So like what, what I almost want to see one day, um, which I think will be pretty cool is when, is when there's so much capital that, that the strategy writers can actually go to a protocol and, you know, um, broker a better deal. So like we will provide this capital, but you need to give us, you know, this rebate or whatever. Um, Interesting. And, and I, I think when we get to that point, then, then it becomes really sexy because then, then the, the, the power of the capital in itself has weight. And, and, and this is, and sorry to sidetrack here a little bit, but, but this is something that, that I saw with the delegated vaults. Where you know, as 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 individuals, um, and using the link vault as an example, as individuals, a lot of people do take their link, they put it in Ava, they they borrow USDT, and they go put that in Curve, and and they outperform um, the the interest that they are paying, and they take that difference and they go buy more link, and then they put that back into Ava, and they keep doing that process, um, and and as an individual. Um, Let's, let's say 100 people are doing it. That, that helps, but it happens at different times, at different points in the markets. And now someone skips it maybe and another one doesn't do it. But when you pool all of this and, and the vault starts doing it on a, on a consistent basis, you know, it, it's creating this constant buy pressure on the side as well. And, and I, I, I like to think of the, the, the vault sort of as, as their own whales that, that have their own weight in this ecosystem. And, and I think we've, we've, we've seen what they can do in some circumstances. So, so, so definitely, I, I think the, 
the current strategy developers, you know, are 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 just dudes like me who just see, hey, here's a cool way to make a little bit of extra IPR, so let's do the strategy. But I I think the ones in three months or six months from now are going to be fairly fairly sophisticated um, capital deployers that that know how to leverage that to their advantage. Um, because you know, there's um, if if there is, for example, an incentive system in 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 Aave, it makes a lot of sense to you know add that incentive referral and then deposit all of the funds because your 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 net benefit is going to be higher than doing it individually across a bunch of different markets. So, to, long story short, yeah, I, I agree 100 mm-hmm. percent with with that perspective you mentioned. What, one actual interesting thing that you know what you just said made me think about is there's been kind of this rebirth I think in crypto of mimetic trading um because in normal finance i think mimetic trading sort of died in the 2000s you know when i think of mimetic trading there i think of like activist investing and you know some guy going on tv and being like x is a scam and uh you know i i there's an actual interesting thing here where the y vaults themselves become the memes that trade they're if they're their own whale they kind of are the mimetic trade so you know, in, in that sense, do you ever see kind of vaults having memes as lives of their own in the sense that like vault creators or strategy developers develop a whole meme ecosystem around a certain type of strategy and everyone just follows? It becomes a momentum trade more than a sort of raw trade? Uh, like like almost self-fulfilling prophecies with capital deployment. Um, yeah, yeah. I, it, I mean, it would be awesome. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind. But, but for... It's it's I uh, I I don't okay so 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 a good example right is is the Y curve vault that started farming YFII um, and and a lot of people attribute like YFII's price decline to to the vault that's constantly you know farming and selling and farming and selling and that creates a lot of um, I've I've started calling them parasitic vaults. Um, because they just, you know, leech off of these other governance tokens for for their own best case. Like it's, it's. I'm 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 really actually unhappy with it, but at the same time, it, it was it was very interesting to see. But but I I traced all of the sell events, and now while that obviously did make the order book thinner, it was not the thing that that kept driving the price down. That I saw from from a lot of the the other farmers that were in that ecosystem, um, but. Everyone enjoyed the narrative of this vault being this parasite and then feeding off of these other thing. And then and then a lot of people in in like Discords and Telegram, I saw a lot of people start saying, you know, you might as well just sell because the, the vault is farming it in any case, so there's no point in holding it. So so it it induced this idea that if the vault is farming you, you're going to decline. So might as well not try. And then everyone else, you know, sells and that actually creates um, that prophecy in itself. So, so I'm 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 tempted to say that that's already I'm already observing that. Um, I'd I'd like to see with the with the delegated vaults a the, the more positive side where you know they're constantly buying. So that means other people are buying. That's I, I definitely prefer the positive narrative over the negative narrative. But but yeah, I think so. I mean, I I know a lot of I know a lot of on-chain traders that you know they they trade based on what they see the whales they do follow. So if they see a whale is in a position and then that whale begins to exit that position, they exit that position because they follow that pattern behavior. And, and I think with the with the Y-Volts, if, if they play out well, um, 
that that concept will be will be superimposed almost, you know, because it, it's happening on a grander scale. Because um, now, taking the the Weicker vault as an example, you know, it's not it's not one whale you're following with with two million dollars. It's it's this vault that has thirty million sitting in it at one point forty. So, I I I think due to the open nature of what they are doing, um, I can definitely see a culture like that form around it. Uh, but again, that's 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 one of those those fascinating um, side effects that that like like so much has already happened that I could not predict in in, in any kind of design I did. So so uh, I I actually think that'll be really cool. Cool. And in some sense, you know, maybe maybe this might be a trite comparison, but do you kind of, you know, my first impression was sort of yearn was the yearn v2 once you had vaults was really was really like numeri for yield farming so i think one of the things that you know old school crypto investors and people thought was that this notion of kind of mimetic slash uh crowdsource trading would be uh would really work in the normal markets um but so far, I would say it's been pretty conclusively pretty bad at it. Whereas I, as you've pointed out, the 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 Y vaults have done quite a good job of this kind of crowdsource trading model, even in one month or you know I don't know. For you, it must feel like it's been like a year since since you launched. But um, so so, do you see kind of on chain trading as the you know what are what are kind of the advantages for on-chain trading that make it so much better for these kind of crowdsource experiments? Because it does seem, you know, it's only been a short amount of time, but I would say it it seems like there's just such a large advantage, and it seems like it's working a lot better than it does in the normal market. So maybe do you have any kind of color as to why that happens? Like how the why the communities are so much more vibrant? Like you know, what's the, like what's your gut feeling for the secret sauce? Um, I, I, I think it's a combination and, and a, like you said, gut feeling, this is hundred percent gut feeling. I, I have no supporting data, but it's been one month of craziness. So <laughs> let's not, you know, you have to, there's no, there's no, there's no strong statistical inference you're making here. It's Absolutely zero. Like <laughs> um, the, the, the only thing I can comment on, you know, number one is, is the open nature of the vaults. The fact that anyone can see those strategies, and I mean, there's 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 been a lot of sites um, that have that have come onto the stage. Um, Stats.finance forward slash yearn, feel the yearn, um, all all community built, and and all of them have a singular job of of seeing what the vaults are currently doing. So so I think that's that's already sort of step one. So versus you know in sort of traditional trading markets or or, or even if we take it off chain and we and we just look at the off-chain markets. Um, it's a lot more closed loop, so you you don't you don't necessarily see what that big trader in Binance is doing um, because you can't really monitor it as closely. So so step one, I think, is is this open nature of the vaults and the strategies themselves. And then thing number two is is I think the 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 access to information is is a lot. Easier slash spreads a lot faster. Now, now again, in, in in traditional finance, you know, there's there's a lot of structures to prevent people from 
discussing with competitors or or different groups or 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 you know something that's not your LPs maybe, but but in 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 crypto and because of the the open nature of Ethereum that that information gets disseminated so quickly. So 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 what I what I like to do is is I like to watch how long it normally takes from me deploying a strategy on chain, not not even hooking it up. So so this is me deploying a a strategy for myself that I want to play with because I normally deploy them. Um, on ETH and then play with them for a week or so before I turn them into an official strategy. And and as soon as I do that, how long until I see people talking about that strategy in different discords or different telegrams or or them start discussing it or or dissecting it to try and see why it might be better than the current strategy. And and on average, that's within a few hours. You know, where where if if I go back to my traditional um, banking and finance days, that that's not something that happened. You you didn't have access to the other guy's playbook, and and even if you did, you you didn't share that information. So so I I'd say those two qualities are are kind of the self fulfilling prophecies where where it's gotten to the point where where if a vault switches to the strategy, people go oh okay that must be the better strategy let's let's follow along. Um, so I if if I had to wager a guess, I, I'd say I think those two factors largely play in it. Um, but you know, as you said, it's it's been live for a month, and right now there's a lot of excitement, and right now there's a lot of attention uh, that could very well be a very very different picture, you know, six months from now. So so again, fascinated to see how this evolves. But but I I, I think those two those two qualities probably have a have a large impact on on why we're seeing the 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 sort of mimetic nature around it. Yeah, yeah, I think I fully agree with that. And I think that there is a large, very large demand in this space to just like one button um, allocate capital and, and put it to work, but but in a way that is that the user can understand and that they can trust. And I think that's that's where the big strength of these on-chain strategies comes in versus the more discretionary strategies that may be more profitable and a lot harder to like front run and such, but they also demand a lot more trust in the capital allocator. So um, going back to this two-sided marketplace for investing, I would be curious. So what is my, how do you incentivize people to provide strategies in the future? So so right now, um, the, the strategy creator gets a percentage of the performance fee. So what I mean by that is, let's say, let's say the, um, let's take the YFII vaults. The strategy there is to is to stake, to farm the YFII governance tokens, and to swap that back to to the um, to the Y curve LP token. Um, of that, 0.5% is currently taken as a performance fee on every time that liquidation event occurs. The others go back to the LP, and then of that. 0.5, the strategy creator, you know, has let's say 50% or or whatever. So so for, for now it's it's zero because I'm the strategy creator and I don't really care about the output. Um, but that's the that's the design model to incentivize strategy creators. So as a strategy creator, I want my strategy to be the best and I want it to be the one used because it has you know net recurring benefits for me. Um, but that's 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 current design. Um, how it how it ends up looking. I, I think might be very different. Um, maybe it's a 
Maybe it's an inflation model where you know tokens are assigned to strategy creators. Um, when, when when it comes to sort of the the incentivization slash fee structure models, I'm I'm largely throwing that out up into the air for for the governance participates to to discuss and mm-hmm. vote on because I don't consider myself an expert in that area. Um, and then to see, but yeah. So so currently, as we speak now, um, it's a percentage of performance fee. Um, what it ends up being, who knows. Yeah, so in, in a marketplace for in an open marketplace for investment strategies, um, I think we have pretty substantial evidence that like the the, the lowest fee strategies are uh, attracting the most capital. We see this in like the, the passive investment space in traditional finance, where the like the ETF has won uh, basically has uh, is the the, the, the dominant uh, investment vehicle, and among ETFs, the ones that have the lowest total expense ratio, they dominate the market. So given that strategies um, basically pay some amount of fees to um, to the governors, the, the, the wifey holders, and also pay some amount of fees to the actual uh, strategy provider, do you think that the, the end game here is going to be that it, basically, any strategy, any uh, or like the the strategy providers and the wifey holders, they become one. Because if someone already holds wifey, then they can uh, and then ben- benefit from already getting the fees that way. Do you think that uh, that they can offer a more competitive product in the market, a cheaper uh, one? I mean, look where wherever you cut down fees, um, you're going to be better off. So, so, so my rule right now with these vaults is I just need to be outperforming any competitor and that difference, that's free game to governance. Like, like because I'm, I'm fine with putting my money in there on, on that basis. So, you know, I'm not, it, it doesn't have to be earning 22%. It's fine if it's earning 20% because it means I don't have to spend all of that time researching and deciding where to go and you know swapping it myself and gas and etc cetera, etc cetera. but because there's there's a lot of hidden expenses that uh, actually that's a different topic but but let me quickly just touch on to that there's there's a lot of hidden expenses that people don't calculate into their yield farming you know so so it's 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 always and 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 I'm guilty of this myself and, and that's why it's a metric I want to get rid of but but this idea of of daily APR daily growth annualized and then you say this is APR is is actually a gross misrepresentation because because even if you're talking about um, let's say a hundred percent APR currently is is what you annualized from the last twenty four hours change so so and let's say you have ten thousand dollars you want to invest now now you might be excited to to swap from your current strategy to there because so much higher rates currently. Um, but you know if if your money was there in the last twenty four hours on ten thousand you would have had twenty seven bucks. Um, and and that's very quickly offset by the gas fees you just paid to do that migration from the withdrawal on the one side and the deposit on the other side. Um, so 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 that that's more back on the original topic of you know what what is my net result of growth um, minus fees minus research minus time. Uh, but to answer the question in as straightforward a way as possible, I I have always considered it to be a a little bit of a zero sum game. Um, because with the open access of information and the quick dissemination of said information, it is possible to have competitors that are just going to be zero. Um, 
it's also possible, and and I think this is why you know we have um, we have competitive pricing rules and a bunch of different things like this in in traditional markets, because it's also possible that a bunch of these yield aggregators decide they're all going to charge five percent, and that's the net standard, and 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 that's also on the bad side of the spectrum. Um, the the honest answer is I I don't have a clue. Um, we'll we'll see how it evolves. I I think. I think there is more than enough capital available and different appetites um, that there's there's a lot of room for a lot of different solutions and a lot of different pricing models. Um, what, 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 one quick comment is, uh, you know, I, I know there's this campaign, not just from you, but from many people to, uh, to, to, to get rid of APR. But the normal markets have not even still moved to full market cap weighted indexes. There are still price weighted indices. So <laughs> might take forever. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, I actually tweeted it earlier today that that you know the the new daily APR, that's that's the that's the circulating supply via versus fully diluted market cap argument. Um, I mean you, it's 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 a statement it doesn't necessarily mean anything and you can you can use that information i'm just i'm just worried about the impression it creates for the uninformed user because i'm like 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 when i was doing this back in back in early year like like jan feb march i i felt a lot more confident that the people putting their money into these systems had a, a lot more information and knowledge to how these systems were working. Um, and, and I think it was a crowd that, that wanted a little bit more responsibility. You know, like, like when, when, when they put in their, their $100, they want to know exactly where is that $100. And at any given point of time, I want to go see where is that $100. Um, and, and these last few months have filled me with so much fear because the the amount of capital going into the systems and the speed at which they are going into these systems clearly tells me that 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 sort of that want to be informed has has completely flown out of the window and and right now people are just yellowing into whatever they see as the highest apr rate without actually considering what their net result is you know minus gas minus opportunity cost and 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 what that is in aggregate because um, you go, if you go look on the the year and V one vaults, you'll you'll see they report their APR as as realized. You know, so if you had put in one dollar in day one, how much percentage growth has there been till now? Um, and that's often not a sexy number. You know, it might be eight percent, but but now in a in a in a given block, the borrowing on SUSD can spike to the point where it's it's sixty four percent. And then, then I and I, I I I did fall victim to this early when I started, but but I've I've I'm vehemently avoiding it currently then then it is fun to to jump on twitter and report that 65% because that's cool but at the same time now someone moves their funds expecting 65% consistently and you know just because it was 65 for a block and the rest of the time is 0.1 isn't isn't going to get you what what you think you're getting yeah. um, and 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 that's where i'm worried so so i think it was fine reporting it 6 months ago because the capital flowing in was informed capital, I'm, I'm, and I mean I, I don't say this with any disrespect, but but I just feel like a lot of the capital that's being deployed now is is not informed capital. Um, I, I, 
yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just worried about that kind of stuff. Um, and, and the more I'm seeing the inflows, the more I'm worried about how we are representing this information to the outside world. Um, but at the same time, I, I also see when I tweet about something like this, I get zero engagement. But when I tweet 170% APR, then, you know, it's shared in like 4,000 times. So, so, so clearly the crowds are speaking and they've, they've made their decision. I'm, I'm noticing we're back, we're back in, that, in that market space where, where now when, when you point out that, hey, there might be riskier or, hey, be careful here, you, you get attacked and flooded versus, you know, six months ago when you pointed that out, it was shared to the extent that everyone knew. Um, and, and I mean, I've, I, I, I saw that even happen with, with the article um, um, I suited where, where, you know, I, I saw people uh, attacking him for it. And I was like, it's, it's, it's important that the stuff gets shared. Like, uh, I don't know. Anyway, I, I posted it a few days ago as well, where, you know, I, I told people that, that they shouldn't get attached to these numbers because there's so much emotional attachment to these numbers and and that that in itself is dangerous as well but but sorry guys i'm, I'm going off on a completely different tangent now um i no, I, I, mean, I yeah i i really like that you post the the realized yields instead of the apr i just think it's super important to like train your users in the right way and I've, i mean we've seen with stuff like impermanent loss which i think has also caused a lot of damage probably to LPs, just this, this name and the expectations that it, it creates and how misleading it is. I think that these things can can take take a life of their own really quickly. So it, it matters like getting the, the naming and the expectations right. Yeah. And um, yeah, I uh, <laughs> like like you're, 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 you're always going to have that sector of people that are not going to care about that. You know, they're just going to want to report the big numbers because they want to attract as much as they can for whatever reason it is they want. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, I think we need to start standardizing some of these things and reporting them in similar fashions because most, most of the, most of the aggregate sites I see now that report APR are, are doing daily adjusted. Um, and I, I just don't think that's a good metric. This concludes the first part of our interview with Andre. In the second part, which we'll release in a few days, we focus on governance, both in Yearn and in DeFi systems in general. Governance, in my opinion, is not only the hottest topic in crypto right now, with many projects releasing their governance tokens at insane valuations, but also one of the most misunderstood. I can't wait to share that discussion with you. See you next time.